That's the word of the Lord. If you haven't uh, filled out our connection pass, please uh, take a moment um, to do that. That is a way in which we are able to connect with you and to follow up with you if you are a guest. And again, if you are a guest, thank you for joining us. Um, I, my name is Alex Shipman. I'm the pastor here at the Village Church. And the text that Steve just read is the text that I'm going to be preaching from uh, today. Uh, Matthew 8, verses 1 through uh, 17. Uh, today is the second Sunday of Christian Advent. And Advent is about Jesus moving into our neighborhood. That is what Advent means. Into the house next door to be a good neighbor, to be a friend, to be Emmanuel, to be the prophet, priest, and king, to be savior, and also to be Lord. Jesus moves in so he could be the way, and that is a Christmas way. And that is a Christmas way. And you see, there's a way of Christmas that's not associated with wrapped gifts under a tree, that's not connected to a person in a fancy red suit, that's not decorated with bright, colorful lights. That's not commercialized just so you can make money. The, the way of Christmas I'm talking about is right here in Matthew chapter 8. And this chapter is going to show us what I call four quirks or four habits of the Christian way. And that is healing, that is the cost, the calm, and the rejection. The healing, the cost, the calm, the rejection. We're going to talk about uh, the healing uh, this morning in verses 1 through 17. For the Christian, for the Christmas way does lead to healing. It does lead to healing. So now please pray with and for me. Spirit, as we open up uh, the word of God today, as I often pray each Sunday, we need you to be the counselor who leads us into all truth. We need you to take this word and apply it to our minds and also apply it to our hearts. We don't just want to gain knowledge for the sake of knowledge. We want to gain it so we can live by it, so it can change us. So you are our helper. You are our counselor. I pray that you will move. I even pray that you will move inside the hearts of those who are here who don't know you, who don't know Christ in faith. I pray that you will draw them into the kingdom today. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Shella Khan Yu was diagnosed with leprosy when she was a, a young schoolgirl. The horrible news sent a shockwave through her and through her entire family. In an interview with Rosalind uh, Engel, she, she says, I, I was sent to a hostel to start treatment and was able to continue my schooling. When the treatment was over, I came back home. And at home, I was careless. I, I could not feel in, in my hands when something was burning, so I got hurt. I, I didn't take care of my hands or feet, even though I had been warned. So I got ulcers. And I went away again for treatment. And this time, when I went away, my sisters said they didn't care if I ever returned home again. Do y'all hear the abandonment in those words from her sister? You see, leprosy was beginning to change her life negatively. The physical and mental and emotional stress became a burden for her. The disease was quickly becoming her identity. 
to the point that when people saw her, they saw leprosy. She was just an untouchable leper to them, a person to be tolerated, but never truly welcomed, never truly loved, never truly accepted. That was true of her parents, her sisters, and her village. All of them eventually rejected her. And eventually she was forced to leave her village and had to take refuge in another hospital. And in this particular hospital, they were able to cure her. They were able to kill the, the leprosy bacteria in her system, but her life was still never the same. Engel writes, she says, she is still suffering the physical debilitating aftermath, including missing toes, a clawed hand. The psychological effects of abandonment that followed her diagnosis is hard to imagine. To the people in her village and her family, this beautiful young woman will always be a leper. Will always be a leper. And here in Matthew 8, such a person meets Jesus. A person like can you? A person with leprosy. A person society has labeled as trash. A person who's excluded from community. And Jesus meets this person after he's done preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So please know that this takes place after he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. After he comes down the mountain with a great crowd following him, he meets this leper. As soon as he comes down the mountain. And the person comes to Jesus, falls down on his hands and his knees before Christ. Look at verse 2a. And behold, a leper comes to him and kneels before him. The man with leprosy comes to Jesus out of need. Do you see that, people? Do you see that, saints? He comes out of need. He comes with a strong sense of, of reverence for Christ. He comes and kneels with, with a worshipful attitude. What about us? How do we come to Jesus? Do we come out of need? Or do we come as self-sufficient Southern Christians who got it all together? TVC Saints, please don't listen to these verses about this man with indifference in your heart. For he's created in the image of God. The man kneeling before Jesus is a, is a real person with real struggles. A real person with real struggles. With a real medical condition. Experiencing real isolation. Labeled an outcast and untouchable. So see him, look at him, and have empathy for him. We, we can't dehumanize the people in the Bible. Jesus is not the only one in the Bible that's human. He's not the only one. Don't gloss over his suffering. He has leprosy. And this disease has broken him. And out of his brokenness and out of his weakness, he speaks to Jesus. And his words are a prayer. An expression of faith. Look at verse 2b. Lord, if by chance you will, you can make me clean. 
Lord, if by chance you will, you can make me clean. He isn't doubting Jesus' ability to make him clean. He knows that Jesus has the power and the authority to do it. The man acknowledges this fact. that That's why he comes to Jesus and says, you can make me clean. You yourself can do it. He doubts Jesus' willingness to make him clean, not the ability. Are you willing, Jesus, to use your power, to use your authority to make me clean? See, many of us, we, we don't doubt Jesus' ability, but we do doubt his willingness. Well, he's willing for so-and-so, but he ain't willing for me. He ain't willing for my family. But I see he's willing for other people, but, but not me. You ask yourself, is Jesus willing to make a way out of no way? Is he willing to help me in this situation, in this struggle, in this issue, in this relationship, in this suffering? Is he really willing to help me? Doubting Jesus' willingness usually, come, usually comes from negative experiences in our relationships with other people. We project those experiences onto him. We assume he's going to treat us just like them. If my parents treated me badly, Christ would do it. If my father was a bad father, then of course Jesus will be. What, what do you think this man with leprosy has been experiencing from other people? Do you think he's ever been hugged? Ever been embraced? Ever been invited over to Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner? No. Indifference, rejection, judgment, shame, loneliness, Isolation, stress. But Jesus, but Jesus, the Christmas way, enters into his negative experiences and redeems them. And he does the same for you. Jesus responds to this man with a certain attitude, with a, a certain action. He, 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 his attitude is kind, gracious, merciful, empathetic. That's how, that's his attitude towards him. Because Jesus could have just walked on by him, but he did not. He just finished preaching a long sermon. He could have said, I'm tired. I'll come see you next week. No, he had mercy. He had mercy. And there are five actions Jesus shows to him. He sees him, reaches for him, touches him, speaks to him, and cleanses him. Look at verse 3. Jesus stretches out his hand, touches him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You know something, saints? Jesus could have healed him without touching him. All he had to say was, be clean. He didn't have to reach out to him. He didn't have to touch him. You see, his nonverbal actions towards this man are powerful. Do you know why? He does for him that something no one else has ever done for him since he got the disease. Jesus accepts him with his disease. He welcomes him with his leprosy. He draws close to him in his brokenness. He didn't say, go get yourself well, then come to me. I come to you in it. You see, the look, the reach. In the touch of Jesus affirms his humanity in his sickness. He didn't stop being human because he's sick. 
the touch of Christ, it affirms the, his value and his dignity and his self-worth with his leprosy. Leprosy doesn't rob him of that. And the touch of Christ affirms him. Or do you think you got to get yourself well before Christ will affirm you? Before he will touch you? Who are the people in America that are forgotten? Who are the forgotten ones in Huntsville? Who are the people in America that the church has deemed a lost cause? Who are the ones who need the Christmas way? Do y'all need it? Of course we do. Jesus healing the man with leprosy is an example of the truth that Jesus welcomes the outcasts. He welcomes those who are labeled untouchable. It's an example that the Christian way is for people society has thrown out with the trash. The forgotten ones. It's an example that Jesus is Emmanuel in our sickness, in our brokenness, in our suffering. But do we believe that? Is that our view of Christmas? Christ entering into our mess. The Christmas way says there's healing for our souls and there's healing for our bodies. But now does that mean Christ is going to heal every sickness? No. It means he will never abandon you to it. It means he's willing to enter into the sickness and the suffering with you without fear, without condition, without concerns. He's willing to get dirty with your mess. But do y'all believe it? Remember what Advent means. Christ moves into our neighborhood. He moves into your neighborhood. If you want Christ as your neighbor, because if you don't, then there is no hope for you. If he can't be your neighbor, if he can't move into your business, I'm sorry, into your neighborhood. I get to the business later. Into your neighborhood. Of the cleansing the man with leprosy, Jesus gives him four injunctions, four commands, one negative and, and, and three positive. First, he prohibits the man from speaking about the healing miracle to anyone. Look at verse 4a. And Christ says to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. The healed man is commanded by Jesus to be silent. I find that odd. Like, he healed me. Why can't I just go through all the neighborhoods shouting, he healed me, he healed me. See, no reason is given why the man should be remain silent. You see, Jesus isn't concerned with the man bearing witness to the miracle with his words. Christ knows he's going to bear witness in another way. His changed and cured life will bear witness to what has happened to him. So, so our Lord now gives him the healed man three positive commands. He says, go, show, offer. Go, show, offer. Look at verse 4b. But go. Show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Don't say anything about the miracles to anyone. Keep your mouth shut. Get yourself to Jerusalem is the point. And show yourself to the priest. Why? Why is Jesus sending this man all the way to Jerusalem? Even though he's already been cleansed. Why does he have to go all the way to Jerusalem to see a priest? Remember, Jesus hasn't come to destroy the Old Testament. 
He's not here to abolish the law or the prophets. He's not doing away with Moses. He tells him to go to Jerusalem to show yourself to the priest and to offer the gift Moses commanded in Leviticus 14. Do you all know what that chapter is about? It's laws addressing people who have been cleansed of leprosy. There's a process a person goes through once the person has been cleansed of the disease. And this process involves a priest, it involves sacrifices, and it involves offerings. Listen to these words from Leviticus 14. This is our Lord speaking. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of persons with leprosy for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall take him outside the camp and the priest shall look at him, examine him. Then if the person has been healed of the disease, the priest shall command them to take for him one who to be cleansed, two live birds, cedar wood, scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that have been killed over fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of leprosy. And then he shall pronounce him clean. And he shall let the live bird go into the open field. The person Christ healed has to go through the same process. That's why he sends him to Jerusalem without talking to anyone. He can't pronounce himself clean, but some of us want to. Some of us want to. He can't pronounce himself clean. The man had to be pronounced clean by a priest who was responsible for making sure the man has been healed. Do y'all see what Jesus is doing here? Do you understand what he's doing for the man here? You see, Jesus isn't part of the religious system right here, but he works with the system here for this man's benefit. But what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? Great question, I'll tell you. Jesus works with this system to help this man get restoration. He just doesn't heal him and send him on his happy way. He wants him to be restored back to society. Restored back to the community. Restored back to relationships. And the only way that can happen is a priest had to pronounce him clean. So Christ isn't just concerned about your salvation. He's concerned about every part of your life, even your restoration. He just doesn't save your soul and send you on your happy way. What he tells you, go be part of a body of Christ. Go be part of the community. There you will find restoration. There you will be restored. The pronouncement by the priest that he is clean leads to his restoration. The message Bible says he, he's, his cleansed and grateful life, not his words, will bear witness to what Christ has done. TBC Saints, this restoration process, it has some present day implications. It has implications for men and women in America who have paid their debt to society. There should be a path for them to be restored with dignity that allows them to flourish without attaching to them a label that says criminal forever. Because Christ has not attached to you a label that says sinner forever. 
the way of Christmas is even for them. It's for the outcasts. It's for the untouchables. It's for the ones society has given up on. The ones the church doesn't reach out to. Christ welcomes them. He accepts them. He moves into their neighborhood. The ghetto, the suburbs, the project, the trailer park. He moves there. He's just not in your neighborhood. He's in all neighborhoods. And he works for restoration. What about us? Y'all gonna make me pull out my sweat towel now. (laughs) How do you feel when you hear the words, you people? What do you think when you hear the words, those people? A generalized stereotype usually follows those words. Not all the time, but usually. The phrase refers to people outside your group. Outside your tribe. Outside your culture, your social class, your nationality, your politics, your church, and even your faith. People who do education differently, people who do family different. Those phrases refer to the other. And the other is a person who is different from you. That's who the other is. What people are the other for you? Who are those people for you? Who do you consider to be those people? And who do you stereotype self-righteously? We all do it. Same is true for me. The same is even true for the Jewish people during Jesus' day. They have another. They use those people and you people. And they do so in reference to Gentiles. To y'all. Gentiles are the other for the Jewish people. The ones who are different. Do y'all know why? Gentiles refer to people who aren't Jewish, the uncircumcised, considered to be unclean. They are outside the covenant people of God. They're not considered to be his chosen people. Gentiles are the other, and yet the Christmas way of healing is available to them. It's not, it's not just restricted to the Jewish people. It's not restricted to just people who are churched and religious. It's not restricted to just, you know, certain uh, people from a nation, to a certain social class, to a certain generation of people, to a certain denomination. The Christmas way of healing is for all people, all Gentiles. It's for the other. We see this on display in verses 5 through 13. After healing the man with leprosy, Christ leaves the area. He enters the village of Capernaum, which is the center of his ministry and a place where he actually lives. And seemingly out of nowhere, a Gentile approaches him. Not just any Gentile. This Gentile represents the enemy. It's a Roman centurion, a captain in the Roman army. And this Gentile has authority and he exercises that authority. He comes forward to Christ with a respectful attitude and demeanor appealing to Jesus to do something for him, to do something that he can't do with his power and authority, and that is to heal his servant. The centurion, an enemy, a Gentile, he stands in the gap for his sick servant. He advocates for the one who is under his authority. He wants Christ to heal him. Look at verses 5 and 6. The centurion comes forward to Jesus, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home suffering terribly. 
And our Lord says something in response that no good Jewish person would ever say to a Gentile. I will come and heal him. He's willing to enter this Gentile's house. And that's a big deal because any dwelling place of a Gentile is considered to be unclean. And if a Jewish person enters that space, they are unclean. And you have Jesus saying, I'm willing to enter that space. I'm willing to enter your space, into your world, into your neighborhood. That's what Christ does. That's what Christmas is all about. Christ entering into our mess, our uncleanliness, our junky rooms, our nasty house, our smelly car, our closet that's filled with skeletons. Christ says, I'm going to enter that space. Just like he tells the Roman centurion. But he doesn't take Christ up on the offer, but instead with a humble attitude and faith, he makes a totally different suggestion. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. You have an uncircumcised Gentile expressing faith in Jesus. He believes and acknowledges that Jesus has the authority and the power to heal his servant with just a word. Only say the word, Jesus. That's faith. That's trust. The satirian even elaborates his point by uh, revealing to Jesus his understanding of how authority works. You see, there are people who have authority and who exercise it, and there are people who are under authority and they obey it. And ver- look at verse 9. For I'm too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion is under the authority of the Roman emperor, even though he's not in Rome. Okay, he's still under that authority. He's under the authority in close distance and long distance. And he obeys it from long distance. And the same is true for his soldiers and his servants. They obey his authority, whether he's present or he's absent. You say, well, what, so what? what why, you, why? What does this have to do with Christ? The centurion believes that Jesus' power and authority functions the same way. He believes that Christ has the ability the power and the authority to heal from a long distance without being in the same space where he's suffering sovereign. That's a big deal. Because that means that even though Jesus is in heaven, he's still with you. Right now, he's with you. And he can do it. But do we believe it? Calvin, John Calvin says, before Christ could heal this man's servant, He himself has been healed by Christ. Have you been healed by Jesus? Do you have saving faith in Jesus? Do you trust him as redeemer and savior? Do you surrender to him as Lord and king? Are you under his authority? If not, then the hands of Christ are extending out to you today. The Christmas way. This is the only way to true healing, to true peace. That's the Christmas way. Receive Christ. Accept him. Surrender to him. And if you do have seven faith in Jesus, then you're already under his power and authority. Accept it. Rest in it. Live under it. And believe that he has the power and the authority to exceed your expectations in your life. 
Because he's far able to do far more than you can ask or think. But do you believe it? Because if he was just limited to exercising his power when he's in the same space with us, well, he's not really God. He is able and he's willing. But do you believe it? What amazes you in this life? In a good way. What person, place, or thing marvels you in a positive way? Are you ever astonished by something? You see, being amazed and being marveled and being astonished, those are human traits. All human beings experience those things at some point in their life, and so does Christ. So does Jesus. Kids, let me have your attention. How many natures does Christ have in his one person? For the kids, it's a question. No. Now, who said two? Two natures. Jesus is one person with two natures. Fully man and fully God. Fully divine, fully human. He's like us and he's other than us. And because he's fully human and yet without sin, he too can be amazed. And we get to see our Lord amazed right here in Matthew 8. He's only amazed two times in the Gospels, and this is one of them. He's marveled at the display of faith by this centurion, a Gentile, one who's considered to be unclean and outside the covenant people of God, one who isn't Jewish, one who wasn't raised up in the covenant community. Jesus is taken back by this Roman soldier. You see, his faith and trust and belief in Christ should be seen in the people of Israel. Should be seen in a crowd of people that's following him. Because the crowd of people still follows him. But not all of them believe in him in faith. Christ lets this crowd notice that, that, that he calls them out for the lack of faith. He addresses them first uh, before he deals with the centurion. And I love what the message Bible says of Christ here in his words. He says, I have yet to come across this kind of simple trust in Israel. The very people who are supposed to know all about God. And how he works. This man is the vanguard of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Then those who grew up in the faith but had no faith would find themselves outside in the cold, outsiders of grace and wondering what had happened. Growing up in a Christian home doesn't get you into heaven, kids. You don't get into heaven because of your parents' faith. Growing up in coming to church, growing up in church does not make you right with God. Faith in Jesus Christ makes you right with the Father. Do y'all have it? Will you come to the way? Will you come to the way? The Christian way is for those who are far off, it's for the outsiders, it's for the unchurched, it's for those who have even wandered away. It's for the other. And Jesus would not turn them away. He would not turn you away. He will accept you. He will receive you. Just like he does the centurion whose request is granted by Christ from a distance. He heals his servant with just a word. He says, let it be done as you have believed. Earlier this fall, while I was home for lunch, I got, I heard a knock at the door, front door. Seemed odd. I wasn't expecting anybody. 
So I opened the door, and there stood before me a man, young man, maybe in his early 20s, and he was going door-to-door in my neighborhood selling academic books. And now it was my turn. So he was trying hard to make this sale, telling me that the book would help my kids with their math. It would help them with their reading and their language arts. And, he, and I told him, hey, I'm not interested in buying this book. You know, me and my wife, we already have these types of books. But, of course, his book was different. So he kept trying to make the sale. He kept working hard to make the sale. He even wanted me to invite him into the house. Because a salesman knows if he can get in the house, he's going to close that sale. So I, I stood my ground, baby. I, stood, I didn't let him in. I stood my ground because I used to fall for it. So I declined, and I finally said, hey, I'm not interested. And he went on to the next house. Now, sure, I'm sure I'm not the only one who have encounters with a door-to-door salesman. Similar encounters with an unexpected knock at the door, an encounter with an uninvited guest. Have you ever had an encounter with an uninvited guest? And we see that in the next verses here in Matthew 8, when Christ goes into Peter's house. Jesus is the uninvited guest. And as one seminary professor says, he's an uninvited healer. See, he enters Peter's home and he sees Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touches her and she's healed. Look at verses 14 and 15. And when Christ entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her with his hand and the fever left. Jesus heals her without being asked to do so. See, the first two examples... They come to Jesus, but here he comes to her. Peter doesn't bring his mother-in-law to Jesus. He enters her space freely. He goes into her sick room while she's laying on her sick bed, and he heals her. Jesus healing her, again, shows you that Jesus is willing to accept people in society who, who are not always accepted by society. He goes to them. That's the Christmas way is for all people. The Christmas way, again, is Jesus entering into your neighborhood to be a good neighbor. A neighbor who comes over to your house uninvited. Because if he can't come into your house uninvited, then you really don't know him. So Christ, he doesn't just live next door. He's in all your business. All your business. He's in all your circumstances. He's in all your finances. He's into how you spend your time. Like you can't do nothing without that neighbor knowing about it. So what does that mean? It means Jesus is nosy. Peeking through his blinds. I see who you got coming over. Jesus moves into your neighborhood. He moves into every inch and quarter of your existence and that is a good thing and he does this whether you invite him or he comes over uninvited but he's gonna come he's gonna come and that is a good thing tvc saying he doesn't need your request or your permission to exercise his power and authority in your life he does so and that is a good thing christ is the uninvited guest and healer the world needs but doesn't deserve John 3, says, John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That is the Christmas way. That is healing. And there's a reason why Matthew records these 
um, healing miracles of, of Jesus here, the healing of the man with leprosy, the healing of the centurion servant, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, and the healings in verses 16, or he casting out demons. There's a reason, and there's a prophetic reason for that. He, he is fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He takes your illnesses and he bears your diseases. These healing miracles show that Jesus is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. That is the Christmas way. It's not a man in a red suit. It is Jesus. A man of sorrow who is acquainted with grief. That's Christ. As one from whom the men hid their faces. He is despised and we have seen him not. Surely he bears our griefs and carries our sorrows. That is Jesus. And yet we esteem him stricken and spitten by God afflicted. But he is pierced for our transgressions. He is crushed. For our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brings us peace. And with his wounds, we are what? Healed. The Christmas way is about healing. Healing for your soul and for your body. And that is what we walk in. That is what we give people. That is what we show to the world. Because people want to be healed. And as Christians, we know Christ is the way to that healing. And Christmas way leads to healing because Christ dies in our praise. That little baby in that manger is marked for death. Please know that. That baby was born to die. A sacrificial lamb. Because you got to think. We think the Christmas story, for our perspective, is wonderful. For Jesus, it's a tragedy. Because he was born to die and suffer for the sins of the world. So if we made a movie about it, it's a horror movie. A baby who's born to die. He sacrificed on a cross as a payment for all our sins. Past present and future all of them have been nailed to the cross and you bear it no more hey people people you should know by now and three days later he does what he conquers the death grave he conquers death he gives satan a hand you can't keep me down bro and the exalted and resurrected christ says to y'all to all y'all come to me The exalted and resurrected Christ says to the world, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of you Christians don't know how to rest. Because you can't enjoy what Christ has done for you. I've said this before. He doesn't need you to get on the cross with him. He doesn't need you to get on the cross with him. His death is enough. You don't have no joy because you do it to yourself. Rest. And stop working for what you already have. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to the Christmas way. If you have not come, and if you're already a believer, rest. Rest in the Christmas way. And allow Jesus, the exalted, resurrected Jesus, to be in your business, to be your neighbor, to be in all your circumstances, because that's what it means for him to love you. And when he comes into your neighborhood, he brings restoration. Because when you become a believer, there's things in your life that still need to be restored. Please know that. And he's saying, guess what? I'm going to restore those things for you, even if you don't ask me. Let us pray.